Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast, your go-to source for insights and strategies in the HVAC, plumbing, and roofing industries. I'm Corey Barrier, here to guide you through transformative approaches to business and mindset. Each episode will explore unique methods, focusing on identifying and addressing the core challenges in your field. Our goal is to equip you and your team with practical solutions that foster growth and success. So whether you're tuning in for the first time or you're a longtime listener, get ready to dive into a wealth of knowledge and expertise. Let's begin our journey to success together. This is the successful life. It's Corey Barrier. Yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your turn. To live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Three, Successful Life Podcast is a space where you can hear stories from badass entrepreneurs and influencers that collectively have millions of listeners and followers. You get to hear their backstories and where they are currently. We discuss how precious your life is and crucial it is to live with a purpose and die knowing the person looking in the mirror today. This is the successful life. Corey Barrier, yeah, come learn with me. Take you down the path of our journeys. This is the successful life. It's time to take what you learn. Apply it to your life. It's your time to live a successful life. You are tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. Welcome to the Successful Life Podcast. I am your host, Corey Barrier, and I am here with my man, Robert Hose E. I always try to put it in. Your last name for some silly reason. What's up, Robert? Not much, man. Hanging out in Minnesota today. In, in Minnesota. Minneapolis. My brother's actually not too far from there, actually. Hudson, I think. No, that's my buddy. Anyway. Yeah, I don't, what do you do? I've, never, what do you I've do? never been to this part of the world. I've always tried to avoid it. Just rumor is it's cold up here. But <laughs> the, weather's, the weather's beautiful. Like flying in. They say this is the land of a thousand lakes, like for sure. It's water, <laughs> water everywhere. Uh, but yeah. here for a roofing conference, uh, got to get to spend some time with some of our vendors that are coming out to our event in November, RoofCon, and uh, getting to chop it up with them. So it's kind of nice Super to cool. put faces with names. Well, so. Robert, let me ask you a question. How did I mean? Since we're talking about RoofCon or RoofCon, roofing uh, the roofing conference that you're at, how long have you been a roofer? <laughs> I don't know that I've ever been a roofer, Corey. <laughs> you know why I'm asking that question? <laughs> yeah. Well, so I owned a roofing company. In fact, I was advised by the founder of Roofing.com not to get into roofing because I'm. I come from a background where the margins are, you know, north of like net profit is north of 60%. And like we do, we do okay. Well, being his friend, being involved as he, he built and grew his company from, from zero to 40, well, zero to, you know, I guess eight figures will say, I'm not sure exactly what number they got to ended up selling it for $48 million. He's pretty well known in the industry, bought roofing.com and and this whole time being in and around roofers always 
there was always opportunities. And his advice was like, don't do it. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what do you mean? So, uh, like, we'll, we're jumping around in the story and, and kind of whatever. We can tie the pieces together. But I ended up having uh, several opportunities to train sales teams inside of roofing. Something I'm a I'm pretty firm believer in is that sales industry to industry, maybe there's some nuance, but overall it's, it's pretty much the same stuff. People are people, you know, the, the wants and needs may change depending on the product or service, whatever, but the way that you go about it primarily is it's going to be the same. So I had an opportunity where a friend offered me 24 and a half percent of a company that was local. And I was like, at that time, I was interested in in building a portfolio of companies. I guess still am, but uh, it was a kind of a no brainer. Like equity for nothing. Let's see what we can do. So I stepped in. That was two years ago. Now I'm the CRO of Roofing.com, which just kind of goes to show you, know, you don't have to be 30 years into an industry to find yourself sitting at the you know, at, at least on the council. You know what I mean? hundred percent. Well, and again, you know, for people listening, the reason I asked Robert that question is because I really struggled hard with not being a trades person, but, but training people in the trades. And what I had to realize is my expertise that I bring to the table are entirely different than what their expertise are. I don't need to know how to hang a shingle, right? I just need to know how to sell it. And you, and they need to know how to sell it. And that's what you and I both bring to the table. Yeah, well, so outsider looking into, I would think that the, well, and, and in my experience, I've seen doubt and and uh, almost kind of arms distance sort of behavior and body language from people who own roofing companies. I've actually even been told, and I quote, some people would say, you don't deserve to be in the seat that you're in. But it's funny to me, it's like, well, guess what? I am. <laughs> and until I do something to, to you know, not deserve this and, and to lose this position, I'm already here. I think that the more powerful way to look at this is because I'm not from your industry, because my background is building sales teams, because I have historically a lot of success moving a, a significant amount of people towards a mission and towards a goal, maybe all the nuance and the industry expertise that you have is actually what's slowing you down. I mean, that would be the alternative perspective. And like I'm, I'm biased, but it seems to be working for me. I think that if more contractors would take the stance of, Drop the ego. If more human beings, let me let's let's go backwards a little bit. If more human beings in general would just take the stance of, I don't know what I don't know, and I'm willing to learn. It doesn't matter. You're going to learn from everybody. I think my first mentor, I would have been 18 years old. And that was one of the biggest takeaways he ever gave me. He was 10, I don't know, 10, 12 years older than me. He had no reason, like, uh, he had no reason to want to, to hang out with me. 
I was a, a, a kid selling gym memberships. And this guy was connected with some some rock star marketers and entrepreneurs, some some big name folks. But this guy allowed me to come in and sit with him, like literally next to him at his computer. And, and I begged him and pleaded with him, teach me to do what you do. And, you know, there was a, I guess there was a crossroads at some point where I was showing some appreciation. I was just trying to let him know, like, like you, you changed my life. And the words back were like, you did a lot for me too. And it was like, what could I have done for you? And he's like, there's never been an opportunity. There's never been a, a situation where I couldn't have the opportunity to learn something, even if it was what not to do. Right. And in, in that case, I think gratitude's the, the, the takeaway there. I agree with you. And if we, people would just lead with that, I mean, their, their lives would just be easier. And that, that's just all there is to it. Um, well, and not to mention, they certainly make more money. All right. So let's, let's I think, um, I think let's go back a little bit, right? I know we did jump the gun a little bit to where you are now, but let's, I, I want to understand how you, you know, how you got here. What, We've all been through shit, Robert. We've all been through shit. We've all done some shit we're not super proud of, right? So that's what I want to talk about. Okay, so that's that's broad. I want to ask you, if I may, to ask me exactly where you want me to start. Do we want to go back to, to youth and, like, how did I begin? What was my attitude growing up? How did I change? Like, do you want me to go that story? Or do you just want me to talk about like my first sales job, like you, you tell well, me. You, how you to, yeah. I want you to tell me where you realized, because my guess is you may not have always been this way. You may not have always lived with gratitude and with love, right? Sure. Is that, is that a safe assumption? Maybe. This episode of the successful life podcast is brought to you by house call pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork, or boost revenue, Housecall Pro is your all-in-one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes. Yep. That's a pretty so, safe <laughs> So at what point did that change? Because that's the point where Robert took on a different identity to a degree, right? Something so, happened in your... I'm going to give you a different character trait. And I'm going to okay. tell you a story that's pretty important to me that I, th- I think is where it really started. This is one of those that I, I share pretty openly now. Um, it didn't, it took me a while to, to take ownership of this. And I started to realize that like, we all have a history. We all have a past. Like you guys can tell, like, I mean, like the back of my hands tattooed and like, I, you know, anywho. So when I was, when I was growing up, uh, I grew up in South Carolina on the coast, uh, kind of. Beaufort, Hilton Head sort of area. I I was selling weed. You know, a lot of us have that story. Um, 
you know, I wasn't in a, in a particularly terrible situation. It was just, honestly, I was entrepreneurial always. I always wanted the fast car. I always wanted to, it was a McLaren for me. I wanted a silver, the, the center drive McLaren. I think it was like a million dollars back then. And I knew this is, this is how it started. I knew I had to make a million dollars because that car cost a million dollars. <laughs> that was that was the whole motivation. Well, somewhere along the lines, I was a troublemaker. Not not the worst kid in the world, but I was a, I was a class clown. I had the 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 ADD and the ADHD, and you know the, my parents they actually they they care a lot about me. Uh, it came from a good household, but. I was sent to doctors and he can't test with other kids. And, uh, you know, I was, I was told like I had meetings with principals all the time. I was constantly in detention and it became this thing where like, that's that kid who's not going to go anywhere. Well, as a result, and because I was pretty much ostracized by the authorities in my life, I developed a little disdain for authority. I developed a need for attention from the people who would give it to me, which were the other students. And what ended up happening was, uh, I guess I, I was that kid that I also would get really embarrassed when a teacher would get me in trouble. So I would lash out. And, uh, you know, I got into some yelling matches, I was button heads with teachers and eventually asked, don't come back to their school. Went to six different high schools. Six, six different high schools. I don't know if you know this. There's only four years of high school. Yeah, there was like four high schools in South Carolina. (laughs) So I ended up almost in a survival mode, which I attribute a lot of this to my success in sales. Having gone to so many different schools, I had to learn how to adapt to a new environment very quickly. I had to learn how to make friends very quickly. I got very good at that. I could read a room and, and tell, you know, who, who can I connect with really, really fast. Well, unfortunately, at one of those places, I connected with a group of guys that were very welcoming. They were you know, a lot of fun to hang out with. Um, we ended up, long story short, I stole my sister's car one night. I committed grand larceny and second degree burglary. Uh, we, we did not get caught, but now forgive me. I'm going to show you something. Cause if we're going to get real, I'll just go ahead and, and show you like some, some real stuff. So this right here, I earned this November, excuse me. I guess it would have been May 17th, 2005. This guy right here, I earned the very night that I stole my sister's car and created and, and committed second-degree burglary and grand larceny. Well, when I got home from the hospital, I almost died. My spleen ruptured. I ended up calling uh, my mom. And I was like, Mom, I fucked up. Forgive me if I'm not supposed to. No, you go. So I, I, Mom, I fucked up. She's like, why aren't you in bed? And I'm like, I'm like, I stole my sister's car and I wrecked. 
And she's like, where are you? And I told her where I was at. And she was like, call 911 just to make sure you're okay. I'll be there in a, in a minute. So call 911. First responder shows up. First responder says, first thing out of his mouth, it's 3 a.m. And I was sober, no alcohol, no drugs. I was 17, completely sober. Well, he couldn't fathom why a 17-year-old would have wrecked his car sober. Well, I fell asleep. The best way I can describe it now is I had adrenaline fatigue from the night's previous activities. And first thing out of his mouth was, have you been doing any kind of drugs or drinking tonight? And I was like, no, sir. Well, this guy didn't believe me. And he's, he's like, come sit down in the car. I'm like, I'm like, I really don't want to sit down. I was in pain. My shoulder was killing me. He's like, just, just come sit down. And I was like, dude, I'm not sitting down. I started getting argumentative with this guy. It was raining out. And he's like, look, man, are you sure you haven't been doing any kind of extracurriculars? And I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, I haven't done any of that. And he's like, well, I'm only saying that because you're acting a little strange. And I remember like saying like, I was just in a car accident. And and I'm pretty sure I motherfucked him. And he, so my parents get there. This is, this is, I'm going to tie all of this together. And it's a long winded story, but bear with me. So my parents get there, mom and dad. And my, my dad asked me, he's like, you okay? And I was like, I think I'm okay. And this first responder walks over to my parents and he says, I think he needs to go home and, and sleep this off. I think he's maybe been doing some extracurriculars. He said that to me uh, or to my parents after I had told him I did not do anything like that. And my dad looked at me and he said, son, have you been drinking? And I said, no, sir. He said, have you been doing drugs? I said, no, sir. He didn't even hesitate. He looked at my mom. He said, take him to the hospital. My dad saved my life. When I got to the hospital, they gave me two and a half hours to live. We made it to Charleston. In time, I was spleen completely exploded, bleeding out. I was in and out of consciousness from that point forward. I remember all the bright lights and all the cool things they talk about when you're having near-death experiences. I got a lot of that. Well, when I got home from the hospital, it was three days later, when I got home from the hospital, there was a police officer sitting at my kitchen table. And he said there had been a break-in. And he said, but you knew that already. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, okay, well, we know. We saw your car on video camera. But it didn't give me enough to know that he had caught me. But my mom would not look me in my eyes. From, from that day for the next week, I was convinced I was in the clear, I was good. But my mom would not look me in the eyes and we had to go to a follow-up doctor's appointment for my spleen. And on the way down the stairs, going to the garage, I looked at her and I was like, mom, and she was like, what? And she was like, I could tell like I wasn't even her son. And she was like, what? And I, and I was like, I did it. And she's like, you did what? 
And I was like, it was me. And she said, I know. And I was like, fuck. Like, in that moment, I realized how much pain I put her in. I realized my parents, they know the whole time. These are people who, who raised me. And that was the day I committed right then in my own head. And I, I never really declared it to anybody, but that was the day I decided that I was never going to lie, cheat or steal ever again. That was the day where I found integrity. And that's, I think, one of my biggest principles, having that foundation. The reason I've been successful in sales is because I refuse to be dishonest. And when you when you lead a conversation with that much conviction, the people on the other end, they absolutely know without a shadow of a doubt that this man's not lying to me. So I hope that that kind of ties that story, at least that first bit of story together. For sure. Um, the important part of that, I think, is, you know, it, it wouldn't have done you any good, right, to continue that, that lie. But we, as human beings, lots of times, We'll sit in that pain for a good while, right? Even if we know and, and we're intuitive, right? Absolutely, years. A lot. Look, there are people watching this right now or listen to this whenever it goes out that yeah. are can identify with this because there's somebody in their life that they haven't forgiven, or there's somebody in their life they're shitting all over, or there's yeah. somebody in their life maybe it's a wife they're cheating on or something. And then you, you got to make that stuff right because it'll eat you alive, dude. You know, it's, it's one example you didn't mention just then is forgiving themselves. <sighs> yeah. So, man, we, we talk about this. I don't know. Did I share with you the uh, emotional frequencies chart? No. Oh, my God. I got to I don't know if we can do it here or not, but I'll, I'll describe it briefly to you. The emotional frequencies chart, it starts with expanded and contracted emotional frequencies. So scientists actually can measure thoughts and emotions, right? But this right. is this mm -hmm. is not that foreign of a, a subject to, to a lot of people these days, but they're measured in hertz wavelengths, like, like light, sound, vibration. It's all the same. Like, you know, I just didn't vibe with that person well. Vibe, that word, vibration, right. it's exactly that. So at the bottom of that chart, in the most contracted of emotions, is guilt, and then right below that, shame. That, those two things, when, when you haven't taken the time to clearly define who you are, it's very easy to live without bumpers or, or guidelines to create certainty and, and conviction in your life. It's very easy for you. If you break outside of what you what you inherently know subconsciously to be in alignment with you, you start behaving outside of that because you, I don't know, you saw something on MTV that said that you needed a Rolls Royce or some something. I don't know, whatever it is. That's when we're out of alignment, alignment with those those thoughts. That's when we find guilt and shame. Sometimes it's very simple, very hidden, very easy stuff. Sometimes it's cheated on your spouse. Sometimes it's, you know, committed a crime. You know, maybe you, you yelled at your kids because you were on a sales call and there was a deal on the line. That's one I'm, I've been personally guilty of. 
But when you start doing those things and you're out of alignment, that's when that emotional frequency bullshit, that head trash gets in the way of productivity. So I think creating some definition for ourselves is a, is a pretty good place to, to be. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, you know, here's the other thing about energy and that's what we're talking about. Frequency energy. It, if, if I have bad energy and I show up on a sales call with you and, and call it whatever, it could be right. Um, and I show up on a sales call with you, you're going to feel that, right? People don't realize that, but you're going to feel it. Yep. Well, that's the expanded and the contracted. So your contracted emotions, the low frequency, guilt, shame. Like I would ask anybody who's listening to this, if you ever walked into a room and you could, you know, it's silent, nobody's talking, but you can tell. You know, sit. This is the scene I have in my head. Is there's a couch, and there's a person on the left of the couch, and a person on the right of the couch. And you walk in, and you sit down in between them, and you're just looking left and right, like clearly something's wrong here. But they don't have to say a word. You can intuitively feel that. That's yes. a, what you're feeling is a withdrawal of emotion. That's right. So on the opposite end of that spectrum is expanded emotion. And inside of or, or outside of us, these expanded emotions are happiness and joy, enlightenment. When somebody walks in, when you're talking about body language, posture, when you walk into a room, you're talking about presence. When, when you feel magnetized to another human being, when they have the alignment and, and all of that stuff working for them, it didn't necessarily come easily to them. They found out through tens of thousands of sales calls. They found out through tens of thousands of hours of training who they are. And they've created a subconscious definition and alignment for themselves. And they've made enough mistakes and caused enough problems. They found out what works. And so now they can hold their chest high because they're, they're pretty well aligned. I, I genuinely think that those are, those are pieces that, that are negated they're left out well i agree with you the other thing too like here's a great and, and this is a perfect example you know you and i met through just uh, i don't know you saw a post of mine you reached out we didn't really start off necessarily on, on the best foot because i really didn't know like i thought well who the hell is this person and and but 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 you something told well, me well you know i'm a sales guy <laughs> <laughs> But I'm like, there's something about this guy that I need to talk to him. And I really didn't know why. I just, I didn't know why. And then once we got on the, the call, it all made sense. And there's been no, like, there's no work. Like, there, we don't have to work to understand this is going to work. Like, you just, whenever you just know, but it, it's alignment. Like, I, I'm just expanding on what you're saying. Like, alignment goes in all areas of your life. It's not, it's not, it's not just in, necessarily in business, but when you are aligned in business, guess what? Most likely you're going to be aligned at home or vice versa. Sure. And I think that, um, I, human beings have this tendency these days to lean towards the negative distrust or I'm tired of spam calls in some cases, other, 
another person sliding into my DMs, prospecting, and we all, all of us are guilty of kind of putting our hands up and, and being like, whoa, hang tight, brother. I don't know you. I did it to a guy. I did it to a guy yesterday, and, and he reached out to give me, like, the best news. He's giving me a domain name for free that's, like, a perfect domain name that I need. It's the salesprofessionalsgroup.com. He, he's reached out to give me that domain because he owned it. And, it, like, he messaged me, and immediately I'm, I'm like, I even made, like, a, a, a snide joke. <laughs> he was like, I'm reaching out to, to make your day better, hopefully. And I, I put, uh-oh. <laughs> and then I immediately put, I don't take handies from strangers. <laughs> and then then he messaged me and, and it was he kind of like like toned toned me down he brought me back to earth a little bit and i was like that was a joke i'll take a handy from anyone <laughs> did he did he laugh at least no he didn't even laugh it was a joke wasted so oh. but the the very next message was like a like a book and he was he was thrilled about the group and kind of seeing what's what's transpiring inside the group and he was like i feel like the domain name was in good hands i want you to have it and it was like what like wow but i think to that to that alignment if we just put our guard down uh, like let me just let me say it this way I studied a lot of the, the dark arts. I studied the persuasion. I studied the psychology. And when I was younger, I'm 34 now, when I was 18 years old, 18, 19, 20, I, I really started absorbing everything I could. At the time, it was for, because I wanted to be able to sell anyone. If I was talking to you, I wanted to have inside of my arsenal the ability pardon me and and the the tactic to close you for personal gain everything was about service to self at the time since then the more i've studied it the more that i've practiced it what i've realized is through that integrity like through through that that character development and and realizing body language it's like you know when, when we're talking eye contact, when we're talking a proper handshake, we're talking, I was studying the smell of humans and how that determines whether you're going to have, like I used to smoke cigarettes. I learned very, very young. If I had a meeting, I could go without a cigarette if it meant I could close the deal. I put on a fresh shirt because I knew how important that was. So what I realized though, fast forward, now a decade and the more i've studied it the more i realized that all of those tactics all they've simply done is made me a better listener just that's it i'm just i just i'm just better at listening i'm better at asking questions i'm better at hearing the thing that somebody's trying to say but hasn't yet been able to say because my job in, in my opinion, the definition of sales is, is two, two, two parts. That's it. 
That's it. Number one, identify the need. Number two, match it to a solution. If I can identify your true need and match it to a true solution, call it pain, call it a problem. There's different coaches, call it different things. If I identify the thing you're missing and I match it to a solution that, that solves that, we're there. We, are, we arrive hopefully at a conclusion that, that benefits you and benefits me. That's it. You know, there's everything else is mechanical. There's pricing, timeline, whatever. Those are things that like, I just have to deal with as a salesperson. And I'm going to ask you questions in order to determine if you, you and I are, have the same expectation. But when we look at sales and we look at business, everything is just, if we just focus on being good humans, identifying needs, matching solutions, we end up being pretty good at sales. Yeah. Sorry, went on a tangent there. One of the people, the issue, and you mentioned this earlier, you know, when you, if you're, you know, if you get into sales for the money, which most people do get into it for the money, if you stay in it for the money, you're probably not going to be in it for very long because that's, you know, like you had, I had those same issues, right? I, I would move from one thing to the next because there's potentially a better opportunity. Um, and it doesn't really pay off. Like you've got to stay in. I've always been in sales. But anyway, you get the point. The po point is now is what you're saying and what I'm trying to say is that it, it's not about how much money you can extract from somebody. And, and that's where people go wrong. The greed sets in. And it is, look, the money's part of it, of course, but it's not the only part of it. The mission, and my buddy Callie says this, the mission, the money makes the mission happen, right? The money is not the mission. Yeah. The mission is, right, the money makes I the agree mission with happen. That. So, yeah, I agree with it totally. Hunter, um, Hunter Balloon talks about impact over income. You're right. You have to have the income in order to make the impact. But like, what's one of the big problems as a sales manager? What was a, a big problem that you run into is sales slumps, uh, hiring phenomenal sales reps. It's so it's, it's basically consistency, scalability, these sorts of things. When you look at the human element of, of sales professionals, you've got human problems. Right. You're, right. you're going to run into emotional fatigue. You're going to come into highs and lows and there's different triggers and there's all these things that happen. So Simon Sinek, you know, he has the, the book Start With Why, which became a, a massive point of, of discussion in the last, what, six, seven years when that book and his little YouTube videos and his TED talk came out and all that sort of stuff became the most popular subject in the business world. Well, if, if I'm trying to build a sales team, you need to identify where are you trying to go with it? I think that the, the, a couple of words that should be used more often in business and sales is it depends. Quote, it depends. How big do you want to grow your sales team? It depends. Like, what's your close rate? It depends. You don't... You can't just attach yourself to everybody else's model, everybody else's metrics, everybody else's team, because you'll build these logical fallacies that you'll anchor to it. And that's if it's not like this, then I must not be successful. And it's just not true. So, for what, instance, go, go ahead. 
Well, customers going to anchor with it too, right? If you make false claims or or you get you know to give somebody a price that's not right, customer anchors to that as well. well whether it's lot. And, and it's to say that you you decide that I need top notch Wolf of Wall Street closers, and and that's the language you go into sales with is that like we're wolves, we're hardcore, and then you create a culture around that. Yes, your customer will anchor to that, and that is who you will become. And this is where scalability becomes a problem because, I mean, sure, you can have top-notch closers, and they'll to the moon. I was sitting at dinner with a group of guys. They have one closer who stands out far and away above the rest of their team, the entire rest of their team. And guess what? He doesn't like showing up to meetings. He does not like to do things their way, but they let him do what they need, what he needs to do because he's the top guy. Cool. Find me another one. Find me another that guy. Now you put two alphas into a room and they're, they're each doing their own way and they're getting results. Put a third one in the room. You just lost your whole freaking company. You lost your entire culture. You lost your mission because these guys are not interested in doing it your way. I can build a scalable team of B level B plus closers way faster than I can build a team, a scalable team of A plus closers. If I want to hit in, and close some business, sure, I can put some A plus guys in there. But when I'm talking about like Jim Collins has a book, Good to Great. If I'm talking about building a great company, it's about the people. It's about an alignment. It's about a mission. It's about core values. When you start building something for legacy, <laughs> let's let's tie this one. Let's let's put a a knife in this one. Okay, we're all gonna die, right? Yep. Period. This is a truth. Fact. Unequivocal. We can't argue this point. Which means is if you have a company, at some point you will exit your company. You have a career at some point you will exit your career what will you leave behind you have only a handful of options you can dissolve it and maybe hopefully leave some some savings and investments behind cool those will get taxed and blah blah blah, blah. you can leave behind a company that is still intact leave it to your kids now what's what does that company look like? Does it have a consistent core value? Like, uh, does it have a mission, core values? Does it have a consistent team? Is, does it have systems and processes and all these things in place that your team actually follows? Or you can leave them a company that doesn't have any of that because nobody's in alignment. You've got a profit machine that it kicks over cash. And when you die, it dies period, point blank. Even sometimes it doesn't even take dying. You can have a bad month. Somebody says the wrong thing. You get yourself into a lawsuit. Whatever, whatever. If you if you can't create that consistency among your people, when you exit, and you will exit, you're going to either leave behind something that's that's worth the legacy or something that's a burden to someone else. And I think that when we... A lot of salespeople, I'm kind of talking about business owners because this is more 
the, the place where I spend my time nowadays. But from a salesperson career or even a, a business owner career, um, there's, there's an enormous number of people who don't take the time to actually think through these things. They're not taking the time to slow down, spend 90 days and get really crystal clear on what you want. And then build that. Like, what, what does the exit look like? And then reverse engineer the math and then build towards that. I don't know. If, I don't I just don't know if most I really don't think most people think that far ahead. Um, and I know you know that because you work with people that don't think that far ahead. Um, I didn't use I used to not think that far ahead. Yeah. Keep going. You were about to make a point there. Yeah, yeah. I just I, I know we work with a lot of people that don't think that far ahead. And, and you're right. I have certainly been in that spot. And look, we pro- I'm sure everybody's been in that spot at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you do to get out of that spot? And that's you got to change up what you're doing. You got to change whatever you're doing. If you're getting a bad oh, result okay. with what you're currently doing, you got to change something. You, you want a quote? Can I, yeah. can I give everybody a quote? Please. All right, so this actually came, uh, this was a quote that I had, and a sales rep refined it and made it amazing. All right, so the way, I'm going to give you both. The first is, change is not possible until the pain of staying where you are becomes greater than the pain of change. So, most people live in, in this like comfort zone and they just stay in their comfort zone. There's three zones that I, that I talk about. There's comfort zone, stretch zone, and panic zone. Okay. Most people live in comfort and they just, they're happy. They just stay in comfort because they, they don't have any major event that causes so much discomfort that they have to change. A good one, try going bankrupt. Try getting kicked out of your own house and losing your kids. Try getting addicted to drugs. Like if you if you really want to change, go through some real shit. Yeah. And then you come out on the either either you die with nothing, or if you're the right type of mindset, or, or maybe the wrong type, I don't know. But if if you take on the mindset of like like, screw you, you can't stop me. I posted this the other day. I think it was on, on one of your one of your posts. I Like, that's my mindset. You cannot stop me. Nobody can can stop me. Like, you cut my legs off. You, I mean, leave me with one hand, and I'm still making posts, whatever. <laughs> but I think that the that pain has to be present, that oh. I should say awareness. There has to be something to give you an awareness that allows you to decide enough's enough and then go and get it. Too many people, they tease. They tease about it. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit smoking. Like, when? Like, when, when you're in the hospital bed? Like, I mean, like, when? So, the other way, I'll give you the second quote. The The... The way that I like saying it sounds more theatrical. It says change is only possible on the precipice of destruction. Same same meaning, change is only possible on the precipice of destruction. Right? It's true. It's hundred percent true. 
-hmm. because but and and in the pain i and i'm no different like the pain has to be great enough for me to change or what's i'm not going to change right it, no. and a lot of people i don't think my wife and i were just talking about this i i, I an hour before we did the show and i said to her i said you know something i said do you realize i said most people go through life exactly like their mother and father went through life because their mother and father would say you know money doesn't grow on trees well my, my parents said the same shit your parents said the same shit i'm sure and and i said do you and i said do you realize that we've broken that generational thought pattern like we don't think like our parents think we don't have those same things going around in our you you and your wife specifically yeah, yeah. generationally as a whole the population well, has i think it probably would be the same right because sure. most of the time if you look at people's parents and their parents and their parents it doesn't their their status in life usually is about the same yeah right like they don't really ever break through or become something you know if your parent i think you get what i'm saying right yeah well they call it generational trauma so yeah generational trauma doesn't necessarily have to be trauma like like you know my my, my dad put cigarettes out on me <laughs> like, but but generational trauma could be an identity an identity with money and yeah it takes some pain to break um, for sure that's, that's that's a pretty commonly researched thing alcoholics a lot of times you see alcoholism you know dad has it son has it daughter has it whatever like why why though is it genetic like i don't know exactly the science behind it and i'm sure there is some genetic and medical stuff inside of there but a lot of times it's simply just the belief i think You're it's right it's the programming uh, you made a post the other day about programming from zero to seven. You're creating, really, I think it's from what, zero to two or three years old. You're creating your identity around zero to your, seven. Your understanding of the world. Yes. And then there's more. It unfolds from zero to seven years old. You've, you've created a, a pretty good foundation of who you're going to be from zero to seven. So a lot of that you could you could attribute to circumstance sure. but then at some point we learn how to reason and we have to start asking questions for me it was middle school i started realizing like i'm a lot of the stuff that's being told to me doesn't feel right to me and i i have questions and it was a lot of like you can't ask those questions and it was like but i still have them i'm gonna you're not going to answer them, but I'll just ask somebody else. <laughs> so, yeah, I um, I think that generational trauma, if you're going to break that cycle, it has to it has to come from within. It has to come from we, we're, guess where we are. We're right back to defining our desires. What's our end game? If you if you want something different, define it. Yeah, if you don't, then, then don't just keep doing whatever the hell you're doing. That's right. Well, another thing too is, you know, it's super important to be around people that are doing bigger shit than what you're doing. Because eventually, you're, if you hang out with those people long enough, and I know we hear this saying all the time, but I don't care. It's true. It, it, it's factual. 
Yeah, I agree with the saying. I think I've heard a couple different versions of it. I don't remember who it was that gave me this other version. That was the that was literally the first lesson I ever learned from my mentor at 18 years old. You're a combination of the five people you spend the most time with. Recently, at 34 years old, I heard another iteration that, that I actually like a lot. It says, always keep two people above you and two people below you. Two people below you to motivate you away from where you came and two people above you to remind you and, and to keep you focused on, on your growth and your goals. Here's another thing. Those five people in my last 16 years as a sales professional, they're not the same people. Sometimes those five people will change month to month to month to month. Sure. But anyways, I digress. I agree with you entirely. I also, I, you know, you made a, you made a point that was surround yourself with people who are bigger, better, they're, they're working on bigger things than you. My only argument there is if you haven't taken the time to define, is that really what you want? Like this is a, this is a actually one that hits home for me pretty strongly is like, I was around a lot of people who had billion with a B billion dollar goals. And it, I was therefore speaking and behaving in, in alignment with what they said that they wanted because that was my circle. And then it hit me one day. I really don't think I would care to be a billionaire. Like I'm sure if I do it, great. Billion is just, the, there's 7 billion people on planet earth. There's a few thousand billionaires. Like what, like 2000, maybe less than 3000 billionaires. Do you know how hard of work it is to make a billion dollars? A lot so, more than I'm probably gonna put in. <laughs> I got, man, I've got four kids. I got four kids, two are mine, two are my, my girlfriends. Like those, that's where I feel the wealthiest is like, I've had some good wins and the wins feel good. But when I can actually slow down enough and put my phone down, right? Like, and, and just go lay down in the bed with my kids and read before they go to sleep. Sometimes, I mean, I, I feel like I've been stolen from when I miss little moments with my kids. We made, we made tie-dye shirts the other day in the driveway. I put out a plastic table and got the tie-dye kit. And I got like a text message. And then it was, it was work-related. And I, I looked at my phone and it was, it was just important enough for me to avert my attention just to get a quick answer out. And I just missed, like, my kids started cracking up, and, and, and I missed what made them crack up. I feel like I missed a portion of that. Well, that work-life balance stuff is hard to come by. Like, yeah, I think that there's, there's levels to it. It's something to be practiced. Does it exist entirely? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, it's, But I have missed moments, and I know that, the road to a billion involves a lot more of those missed moments. They're like, and, and, and so I'm going to circle back one more time. Okay. I'm 34. My youngest is eight. Okay. So I have 10 years before they're out of the house. 
I'll be 44 years old. I think Steve Harvey didn't become a millionaire till he was in his 50s. I think Warren Buffett didn't become a millionaire till he was in his 50s. I think there's an enormous number of successful people that didn't even hit a lick until they got way older in life. I'm not saying you have time because if your goal is important to you, you don't have time, you should be chipping away at it every single day. But I've been chipping for 16 years and I've identified what is important to me. And I got 10 years to spend with my kids. You get 18 summers with your kids. That's it. And I'm a divorced dad. So mine split time at another house. So realistically, I'm I'm getting like nine summers. <laughs> You're right. You know what I mean? So it's again, it depends. If you I, can, go ahead. I think I think it's a discipline thing too, because it's um you know, I have, you know, Lana's my, you know, she's not biologically my daughter, but I've raised that child since she was three. So she's my kid, right? I mean, she's 13 mm-hmm. now. Um, but there's, you know, it's, it is, it is, I, I, look, I'm super guilty of choosing to do work over anything else. Um, and that's just where I'm at right now. And like, I'm, I'm building and I'm doing things that I, you know what? I, I guess I could justify it seven ways to Sunday. Why I do the things that I do, but ultimately I do them because that's what I want to do. It's the bingo. So right there. So let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Do, are you fulfilled by your work? Do you um, like, do you like, I love, you I love what I do. I love it. I Perfect. love it. Perfect. So there's, again, it, it depends. For me, I also love what I do. So a lot of times I don't feel like I'm working. Here's the other thing. A lot of people, here's a controversial statement for you. A lot of people, when you ask them, what's your why? Oh, I do it for my kids. Like, fuck you. I love my kids, but they're not why I do what I do. I do what I, I do because I like doing it. I have to stop doing what I like doing a lot of times to spend time with my kids. The thing is, I love them in a way that I don't love my business. It's two different types of love. One is a really cool passion, hobby, it's fulfilling to me. My kids, I'm in love with. These are my human beings. And like, I don't know, man, like that's, it's just two two totally separate things. It's not an argument between one or the other, I'm going to have both, period. And the reason I'm divorced, the reason I'm divorced is because my ex told me I was Peter Pan. Every time that song by Kelsey Ballerini came on, it's called Peter Pan. I don't know the lyrics. Something about lost boy, and it's never going to grow up. And it would come on, and my ex, like, forgive me, kids, if you guys ever see this, but my ex would... She would be like, look, your song's on. And she would say it all demeaning. And this is the same lady who told me that she supported me in all of my endeavors. Hmm. Seems a little bit odd. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I'm divorced now. Uh, And the, the thing for me, she never could understand. Like, I'm gonna do this. I'm passionate about this. 
I love talking to people. I love helping solve people's problems. I'm still to this day, I'll take a one hour phone call with anybody. Sometimes I regret it, but I still, <laughs> I still do it because I love helping people, even if I have nothing to sell to them, because it's fun. I love discussing sales and human beings and growth. And, and if, if, if at the end of the day, I gave you a nugget, then that's enough. It just yeah. so happens that if you, if you give enough nuggets to the right people and also attach a dollar amount to it, sometimes you make good money. But that, but that said, those are both non-negotiables, business and my kids. This is not my why. My why is, my why is freedom. My why is because I'm not interested in, in working for other people. My why is if I want to go to Florida today, then I'm going to go to Florida today and sit on a beach and drink a fruity cocktail. And when I start looking at defining myself, defining who I am and what's important to me, it's not standing on a blacktop. It's not working Saturdays and Sundays. It, like That's not involved. And that's why I'm not interested in being a billionaire. Right. And I, you're one of the, you know, you're one of the few guys that I know that live by that. Like, you know, I don't, I, you made it very clear when we first started talking, I don't fucking work on the weekend. And like, yeah. I thought, well, what does that really mean? I don't work on the weekends. I don't really know what that means other than maybe doesn't go into his office. And the reality is that I was so far off. It meant you don't work on the weekends. Like you're with your kids and you're hanging out and you're present. And like you showed me that because we've had conversations. Maybe you didn't want to have the conversation, but we did on the weekend. Very, but, but it's not been once or twice because I respect that. Yeah. Um, and I respect that, you know, that, that, you, that, you, that, that you focus on that because I just don't see it very often. Well, in my life or, or anybody else's life be honest with you there's a mentor of mine a while ago uh nick peterson's his name phenomenal content he's a very very logical thinker i believe he's he's if i remember correctly he told me he's he's on the spectrum like he's kind of awkward dude to talk to he doesn't smile a lot but incredible thinker like like a, a, a modern philosopher so we're talking about this concept of, of boundaries. What he, he created a book. It's a very short book. I think you can download it at like bumpersbook.com or something like that. I'll plug him there because it's, it's valuable enough that everyone should have it. So the idea is a bowling alley, right? What's on both sides of the lane is gutters. Okay. Once the ball goes off in the gutter, the odds of it coming out of the gutter is pretty difficult. So we all start. We're the ball, and the pins are the goals. You know, you have 10 pins down there. You can assign all these different attributes or whatever goals to each pin. You're going to roll this ball down the lane of life, and hopefully, if you're not too far off course, you're going to knock some of these pins down. You're going to hit some of your goals. You got to be real clear on what those goals are. And then those, those gutters, if you're off at this end of the lane, just this much, 
by the time you get all the way down here, you're in the garden because you allowed little things, little things, little things. You allowed it, allowed it, allowed it, allowed it. You never took the time to define what are your bumpers. So when a kid bowls, what do we do? We, we go and, and we put the bumpers up. And if the ball's off, it could be off super far off. It could be off all the time, but it's going to bounce. It's going to bounce and it never goes in the gutter. Unfortunately, these bumpers are metaphorical. Right. There's nothing that's actually going to stop you from, from breaking because we're humans and we make mistakes. But an example of a bumper, if my kids get out of school at 3 p.m. and they've got to do homework and they then they want to play and I want to spend quality time every day with my kids, I shut down the calendar at 5 p.m. Somebody from work calls business, huge business opportunity, billion dollar business opportunity. And they say, I need you to take this call at 7 p.m. But my bumper is 5 p.m. This is why I have to decide, do I want to be a billionaire or do I want to die and, and my kids know who dad was? Do I want them to look back and say, you know, dad always played with us and I mess up. But here's the point of this. I bring this up because, number one, we need to define our bumpers. Thanks, Nick Peterson, for that. But number two, I guess, is if we're not, if we're not clearly defined, we're going to find ourselves in the gutter. Everybody's going to get into the gutter at some point. The object, the purpose of this bumpers exercise is not to say you'll never be in the gutter. But if, let me ask you this quick question. Let's say you got into the gutter. Did your goal change? Nope. No. What has to change? Me. You. The behavior has to change. If you're not defined, you're going to be moving down this lane. You're going to get toward the end of the lane. It's going to be too late to change the behavior. You're going to run out of runway or lane. So the sooner we take the time to define what's important to us, we can get really clear on what we want to do with our career. Yeah. One of the things that I think is that'll help people clearly define what it is they should be doing is what is it that you're really, what is it you're really good at? And it doesn't even matter what that is. Right. Sure. And this is why I stay in this lane because I am good at what I do. And, and, and I can help anybody that I come in front of. Like Justin's like, man, Robert's pretty good at sales. I'm like, I got that dude. <laughs> no, dude, but really, like, I, I love it because I love seeing people. You know, it's it's really cool when you can change a sales team or you can just, ch hell, just change one person on a sales team and see them change their life and their career. Because guess what? When we change what that one person's life and they can increase their revenue or increase their, their personal uh, income, you have effectively changed their whole life. Sure. And that shit's important. Yeah. 1% better every day. I forget who says that, but somebody. In my lap. Is that him? 1% better every day? 1% every day. Yep. Yeah. I want to, I want to just, I want to wrap this up in one last thing. So I, I, the bumper exercise that you talked about in the 5 PM and not taking the call at 10, I think that's very similar 
to two things, setting expectations. If we're talking to someone else, it's really important to let you know, just like you let me know, I don't work on the weekends. That's setting expectations. Now you don't have to deal necessarily with me calling you on a Saturday and a Sunday because I understand what your expectations are. Sure. The other, the other part to that is um, I'm probably going to forget it now that I said that. Um, oh, it's, it's keeping our promises to ourselves. And one of the things that, and I realized this, I guess it was a couple of years ago, I would go run four miles in the morning. Some mornings I would take a shortcut. Some mornings I wouldn't hit my four miles. And every single morning I didn't hit my four miles, I had a fucked up day. You know why? Because I lied to myself right from the get. I said, you're going to do four miles. And I lied to myself and didn't do it. And I realized every time I do that, I'm setting myself back. Like, just do the damn four miles. It's not like you can't do it. You just did it yesterday. Just yeah. do the damn thing. I don't know. Uh, but it is important not to lie to yourself and to keep your promises to yourself. And I think that was the point I think I was trying to make there. Because for years, I didn't do that. Yeah, I just didn't. Um, There's a quote, man. I, I did a challenge. It was uh, 100 burpees a day. For 31 days, 3,100 burpees. Yeah. Boy, that was fun. That was a blast. So I got done. There's, there's two, two things I, like, I'll, I'll leave us with, with these two things. The first one was, like, I was 25 pounds heavier than I am. I still got another 20 pounds I would like to lose. But... I had decided I went from being in gyms and being a personal trainer and like, I, I know how to lose weight. And my ego was in the way until I, I got to a point where it was like, I was looking at myself in the mirror, like, hmm. whoops. <laughs> so I was uh, invited to, to um, one of these mastermind deals, uh, a retreat and normally I'm speaking, I'm normally like I'm there, I'm a contributor of some, some way, shape or form. Well, this particular individual wanted me there. So I'm calling him. I'm like, all right, so walk me through how we doing this. Like let's. and I was kind of taken aback. This is a dude named Nick Alfano, phenomenal human being. And I'm like, Nick, what, like, in what capacity do you want me there? How can I support you? And he's like, you know what, bro? I really just want you to come and, and attend. And I was like, I almost was offended. Like, right. truly, I was like, what? Like, that's not how I felt like you asked me to come here. And so I was like, you know what? All right, I'm going to do it. Like, whatever. I'm going all in. I'm going to support my boy. If that's what he needs, if that's what he wants, I got you. I show up, I participate. First exercise, he's got us drop down into a plank, everybody. I was like the second person down. So everybody was competing. Who's going to stay the longest? And I was the second one to drop. And it was like, like that blew my mind. What do you, like, how am I the second out of like 40 people? I'm 34. I don't think I'm in that bad of shape. Guess what? I can run the fuck out of a plank nowadays. Like. <laughs> I've been practicing. That'll be the last time. So I show up. 
that changed my life. I decided to, I committed after that, like, like I'm going to do this. Started running a little bit, not a lot, just wanted to finish a mile. And then a mile, now it's three, whatever, I just started chipping away. Then the burpee chat, well, really, then a, a Murph. Do you, do you know what a Murph is? So for I, those of you I know who, of it. Well, so if, if you don't know what a Murph is, a Murph is this. You wear a vest. It's, I think, 20 pounds or 18 pounds for men, which is symbolic of a like a, a, a bulletproof vest. It's named for Lieutenant Michael Murphy, Medal of Honor winner. Uh, there's there's a movie, Lone Survivor. Lieutenant Michael Murphy is the guy who goes up on the hill and, and radios. He sacrifices his life. He dies to save his team. So every day or every Memorial Day, all the CrossFitters and, and, and really, you know, super fit people, they do this exercise called a Murph. You run a mile with your vest. You do, you do 100 pull-ups. 200 push-ups and 300 squats and then you run another mile and your best people but if you finish it in under an hour you're, you're doing good you're i think the world record's like 33 minutes so i met this convention a diff, another one in utah and a guy who did a hundred no, he did a Murph a day for 365 days. He did that exercise every day, 365 days. He's there, and there's a bunch of other guys. For charity, they were doing 30 days of Murph. And I had never done one. I was not really in very good shape. And they were like, just do it. Come try. The only rule is you can't quit. Just, just finish. I don't care how long it takes. They said, nobody here is going to abandon you. The last person left, we're all going to come back and we're going to see this exercise through with you. Then it was a very like, like, like brotherly thing for them to do. So I did this Murph. It took me right at an hour. I wanted to die. Like the, I was running my last mile and I, I literally, <laughs> like I was done. I finished it though. And it was in that moment, it wasn't. Two hours later, it wasn't six weeks later. The moment I completed it, and I did it with integrity, I did it with conviction, I was no longer the same human being, period. Because I showed up and I found out, there's a quote, I love my quotes. Self-discipline is the prerequisite for self-respect. Self-respect is the prerequisite for courage. I did that Murph. I put myself through a challenge because in that moment I had told them, I'm not going to, like, guys, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. I'm not ready for it. I can't do it. When I finished, guess what? My identity was not, I can't do it. My identity was, I did it. Like, this is me now. I'm a guy who did the Murph, and nobody could take that away from me. So 100%. there's a little takeaway for the end of this. I hope that that's helpful. Like that's, you know, it is important. It is helpful. And and I think for everybody listening, um, look, if just, if you can just get one win, lots of times it's just one win that you need. You just need one solid win and it will, uh, it, it can open the floodgates. 
you got to get that win, which means you got to put one for one foot forward. And comfortable sometimes. Yeah, you got to be uncomfortable sometimes. It is what it is. So, but you know, um, and you can't do it alone. Like a lot of people try to do it alone, and nothing big was ever built alone. Anyway, all right. Well, listen. Tell everybody where they can find you, Robert. Um, wherever you'd like for them to find you. Man, I mean, I, I'm not like I'm, I'm accessible. Hit me up on a on a profile uh, on Facebook or or LinkedIn, wherever. That's the easiest way. Otherwise, the uh, roofing and solar community group on Facebook. If you're a contractor, it's a lot of good information in there. Um, and check us out. You can go to yeah. Revolt. New website's coming out, WeRevolt.com. For your audience, I think that would probably be the perfect place for them to come and find out what we're about. What's Revolt about? Revolt? What is Revolt about? Revolt is, so inside of roofing.com, we have three different layers. We have our conference, our annual conference. The annual conference, I think this year we're, we're looking at 5,000 attendees, 250 vendors, primarily, obviously, going to be around roofing and solar industry. We're going to have speakers like John Maxwell, Tim Tebow, Nick Santanastasso. We've had Craig Rochelle in the past. We've had... Uh, John Maxwell, this will be his second time coming out. Ed Milet spoke um, at last year's. It's been four years. It's been growing, 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 growing. That's the perfect place to get an intro into like the, the integrity, legacy, and leadership aspects of, of what that's about. And then Revolt, I think, is the next layer to that. So for contractors and business owners who are ready for the next step, the next layer. They want to uh, take on not only the principles of, of establishing their mission, their core values, but to be able to integrate that into their sales teams, their recruiting processes, their marketing, to be able to build a, a bigger, more sustainable, impact-driven company. That's what Revolt is, is 12-month mastermind focus specifically on business owners it's 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 honestly a good place to come get checked up like if, if you really need somebody to put you in in check you really want somebody to challenge you whether it's personally or professionally those are the two areas we focus on personal development and then professional development inside your business very cool well, I'll, I'll put all the links in the show notes below, and they can go check it all, check all that stuff out. Appreciate you coming on, brother. Um, dude, thanks for having me. Super, super yeah. grateful to be here, man. Dude, this is great. If you took anything away from this podcast, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and go check out some other episodes on SuccessfulLifePodcast.com. This, 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 this is the Successful Life. Thank you for tuning in to the Successful Life Podcast. We hope today's insights have ignited your passion and provided tools to shape your leadership journey. Remember, greatness is a journey, not a destination. Continue your pursuit by exploring more resources and insights over at CoreyBarrier.com. Until next time, keep leading, keep learning, and keep striving for excellence. Stay inspired and see you on the next episode.